point eight to ten p.m. Turning conventional wisdom on its head. Songezo mapete on SAFM. 2129, it's SAFM, we are live. Remember, this is a new segment altogether. It's Legal 101. I'm still going to try and get my head around the name of the segment, but in essence, we're going to use Mondays for the last 30 minutes here on SAFM Viewpoint, Mondays and Tuesdays, to engage in an advisory capacity, of course. So this is going to be free advice, whatever it is. So this evening, it's legal advice specifically on labor law, workplace-related injuries. So let's just take time now to engage our attorney friend this is i think the second or third time i'm engaging tabi saying on the platform and uh we certainly do appreciate her time so it clearly meant something for her the first time if she's going to honor invitation on a holiday at this time of day <laughs> to be engaged in work goodness gracious and tabi saying thank you so much for your time welcome thank you so much for having me okay so what are we talking about what is an injury what does the law say on an injury what are the obligations on the employer to provide a workplace that is reasonably or sufficiently safe and what Mm. does an injury trigger for the purposes of a claim on the part of the employer on the part of the employee and the platforms available for people to seek remedies as the case may be so open-ended question lots to talk about let's ensure that we empower the listeners on this very important international labor day right so what do we need to do as employers right so if you have one or more employee employee you need to ensure that you register them with the um, uh, employment uh, injury um, what is this compensation for injury on duty right uh, it is covered by the quida uh, wherein you ensure that you pay a pre- a monthly um, premium so to speak or yearly premium wherein if your employee gets injured or contracts a disease while they're in the course of their employment then those medical expenses can be paid by your by, by the cover the, the cover that you would have paid throughout the time that your employee has been with you so so this applies mostly for non-government um, entities, so basically your private, private uh, employment and all of that, because. Um, uh, what is this government employees or government employers i beg your pardon are exempt from paying this so whatever injuries that you have while you're working for government you need to uh, inform directly to your employer which is your direct line manager so that they can then cover the cost because remember the the injury on duty uh, compensation fund it is a government entity itself so there is sufficient um monies or at least there ought to be sufficient monies in each government department to cover for this without it having been paid as an extra duty over and above what they pay their employees. So what does it mean for you to be to enable your employees to be covered by such um, such premiums on your behalf? as the employer. One, we are avoiding for you to be sued by your employees in terms of common law, right? Wherein they are suing for damages because they would have been paying for their own medical fees as a result of the injuries that they would have sustained. So what happens once you get injured on duty, you need to fill in a form. I think it's called the W 
0.5.11 form wherein you now explain what happened in your in your um, accident so there's two pages to this form one that remains with the employer and then the second one goes to the employee who then goes with it within a period of seven days to a medical practitioner who will then fill it in and explain what it is the injury that happened while this person was um, doing their work and by the way this applies to both permanent employees and it also applies to contracts and, and casual employees as long as you have a contract wherein you are rendering services as such as, as an employer employee i beg your pardon then as a result you are obliged to have this kind of cover um, that is available to you whilst you are under such employment so once this form has been filled in, um, your employer keeps one and then you then within seven days as the employee, then take it to your medical practitioner who will then fill in what is happening and then you submit that. And then the commissioner will then do a mini investigation of what has happened. What are you and submitting if, like, this form to the medical practitioner for? What is he or she supposed to do with it? They're supposed to explain what happened, what it is that you've said, what accident, uh, what is the cause of the accident if there was any so the, the first respondent if there was an ambulance that was there they have to fill in what it is that they found at the scene if it's an accident if it was a matter of you contracted a disease for example like covid that we just came through uh then they explain what it is that they, they found at the scene at work etc and then it goes to the medical practitioner who has then assessed your injuries and then says okay based on my on the first respondent's information and what we have found during during our examination of Ntebi saying who is the employee, we found that she's got a broken femur, she's got a broken neck, et cetera, et cetera. And as a result, she cannot go to work for a certain period of time. And then this form is then submitted to the commissioner. And then the commissioner now has to assess all of these things, obviously doing a, um, their own mini investigation to confirm one, that you were injured while on duty. I think I need to emphasize this part because just because it was during work hours and just because perhaps you were in a vehicle, for example, that, that um, is supposed to be your employee, employers and you were busy doing your own personal things, the employer and the commission may not be obliged to pay out anything pertaining to your medical expenses. You say if may. it can be proven. Yes, I'm saying may, because it is kind of, um, there's no strict, so to speak, law, um, wherein the, the the commission can say, okay, it is clear that you were not working here, um, but you were doing, you were um, in the employer's car and you were driving it, et cetera, et cetera. If the commissioner says no, you have 90 days to appeal that decision. I and think if the it lesson gets appealed, there, sorry, saying to interrupt you, I think the lesson yes. there, just to empower the listeners or the employees mm. in this instance is, if you are at work and the time at whatever you decide to do whatever, that time must be accounted for for the benefit of the employer. In other words, you create muddied waters or you muddy the waters if during work time you decide to go on a frolic of your own and you don't tell your employer that or you know that you're not supposed to be at a particular place and because it's during work time and say you're traveling in the employer's vehicle, you get injured 
that now creates, if you like, the muddied waters. In other words, there's a good chance or at least a chance that you will not be compensated for that injury because the employer cannot account for what you were doing for it was not in scope or in line with your employment. I think that's essentially the message we want to get across there, isn't it? Correct, correct. So, and also to add to that, there is the term called vicarious liability. So, if it happens that you do get injured and you bumped into another person's car and that car is now a write off, but it wasn't within the scope of your duties, usually what would happen is that they would sue the employer who, whose name would be bared on that vehicle because that person would have been driving that vehicle. But if it uh, transpires that you were not doing your job at the time that this accident um, occurred, then the issue of vicarious liability wherein the employer will be taking liability for its employees' actions will then fall away because we can prove that at 10 to 11 p.m. or a.m. you ought to have been doing X, Y, and Z. Instead, we can prove that you had done X, Y, and Z an hour before. So we can't account what it is that you were doing between the, these times when the accident occurred and then you will be liable personally for the injury that person suffered medical and also for the write-off of that vehicle just a side note that you know i think maybe we ought to um, mention not that we're talking about uh, be doing things in the scope of your employment mm-hmm. well, so sorry yes. sorry I, I'm, I'm punting for calls i'm punting for comments i'm punting for questions it is 2138. I know the tendency is for people to listen, to listen while they gather their thoughts. Unfortunately, you may gather your thoughts and then ask a question at a time where it's a little too late to engage your thoughts. So don't hesitate. Think out loud. Engage us. 086-000-2032. That's the number, please, to call. And WSN Dubazana Director and Attorney at Dubazana Attorneys is on the line talking workplace injuries. Drop us, please, a voice note on 0614-104-107. Please, under a minute now. We don't really have a lot of time. And we can't go over the minute. So whatever your question, call or comment is about, ensure that it is succinct and to the point, please. WCN, continue, please. Thank you. Um, Where was I? Oh, yes. After submitting the form, then the commissioner will then um, go through it and do an investigation and then decide whether or not to accept liability. So if the commissioner, let's say they accept liability, then there's another form that what I forgot the code for that one. And then you use that form every time you go visit your medical practitioner who will then basically inform the employer and the commissioner of your progress, how far you are with your recovery and and all of those things. Remember throughout this process, you as the employee are not paying a cent towards your medical medical, uh, treatments and and all of those things, whether or not it is a disease that you contracted or whether or not it is an accident. And then if if the medical practitioner is of the opinion that you cannot be coming to work within the, the next uh, three months or the near or the foreseeable future, then they need to inform the commissioner as well as your employer on the progress and how long they think you'll be out of work so they can, uh, they have to reserve your, your space. They cannot medically board you because there's no clarity as yet. 
from the medical practitioner that whether or not you need to be boarded, we're still trying to make you stabilize. We're still trying to ensure that you're able to do something once the treatment has been done. This is to ensure that your position is secured. Um, so by the time that you're healed and you're able to go back to work, you're not starting from scratch and hunting for work and all of those things. Unfortunately, this happens more than often where in employers just go like, ah, Ntabi Singh hasn't been in for the last two to three weeks. Let's find somebody else because clearly she's not coming back. And that is very wrong. You can actually take your employer to work as a, um, sorry, to court as a result of, of basically removing you from, from your position and making it as if it is medical boarding. Some don't even pretend to make it medical boarding. They just kind of remove you from the from the workplace and continue with their lives. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, sorry, do, do you have anything else? Because I do want to get into the no, specific no, no, no. questions and comments that the listeners are wanting to be responded to. So, Brafini, you know what to do, please. Let's play a couple of voice notes. I'm then going to read the message that has come through. I understand as well. We have a call from KZN. So, Let's play the two voice notes before we go to Mac in KZN. Uh, good evening, Songezo. Uh, the labor laws of this country have been broken by too many bosses. We shall not follow in the labor laws, especially to the foreigners like us. There's a company I know myself. There were two guys with, uh, falling from the, from the double extension ladder to the ground. Once you get injured, start asking for where's your documents, where's your papers. Oh, the other yeah. one is well, he falls from the staircase, and then he started to ask for the papers, the documents. They end up going home injured with nothing. So there's too many people who are breaking labor laws in in, in South Africa. The, the the inspectors from the Department of Labor they are not doing their jobs. Their job, uh, their jobs are rightly, perfectly. A lot need to be done. Good evening. Uh, I just heard Moses uh, saying, uh, even if it's a casual, like you are liable to what's happening to them. So, like for instance, I normally pick up the the guys uh, on the roadside and then take them like okay to do like minimal jobs for that day. However, I do have a form that they sign whereby I I, I indemnify myself from any responsibility should anything happen to them so is that legal or maybe i would need to update the, the set form thank you very much Alison. that's a very very good question so many of us whilst not providing mm. employment or certainly not by the definition of me being an employer if i pick somebody up to do menial jobs around my house for the day that is not an employee and i'm not an employer but what liabilities do I create by having that sort of work done where I have to pay that person? I'm going to wait for your response then, Toby. Saying, let's take a call, please, from Mac in KZN before we have your response. Mac? Okay. Good evening, Sengazer and your guests. Indeed. How are you? Well, sir, go for it, please. All right. Man, uh, just a question that I would love to ask. I am a training provider, uh, one in skills arena. I need to know, do I then register because I am the only employee, at the, not the empl- I'm the only person that are permanent, but I do have freelance uh, facilitators, assessors, and moderators. Do I then register with COIDA? Because I do have a public liability policy uh, for in case of injuries or whatever the case may be. Stay on the line, what? stay on the line, Mick. 
because I want you to have an engagement very briefly with Ntabi Seng on some of the follow-up questions you might have. Ntabi Seng, you got the question? Yes, yes, I did. I would say, yes, please register with Koida. This is not only for, for your employees to be to benefit from it, but it's for you to comply. Um, if you remember, if you are aware, at least at the beginning of this month, late last month, I'm sorry, we're still in, we just started May. So late last month, there was an adaptation to Koida as well, wherein they cover pe uh, people like domestic workers who are not formally recognized. So because you have freelancers and what we call casual workers, they are under the definition of, of, of um, in, under the Employment Equity Act, they fall within the definition of your of your employee. So register them because even though they don't get injured under your capacity or you don't believe that they get injured under your capacity, legally speaking, you are covered. So if they decide to take you to court for any reason, you can show that one, you registered them and two, you keep paying your premiums. And as a result, you've obliged by the law. But if it so happens that their injuries do not are not accepted by the commission, then you are covered. You don't have to pay, go out of pocket and pay for any injuries or any diseases contracted. So please go register with Koida. Any follow-up very quickly, Mac? I'll, I'll do that, but because as I said, we've got most of the time in terms of that, because uh, I also have a public ability policy that, uh, on the other hand. So I think, uh, thank you for your free advice. I will certainly do that. Mm. And no problem. Thanks, guys. Excellent, Mac. Yeah. Much appreciated. Thanks for listening and thanks for contributing. You're enriching this program. I appreciate this. I think the segment is going to work if we keep it up like this. And Glantla sent a message <laughs> earlier on saying that he's very thankful that this program now features this because he used to listen to Legal 101, um, which was a segment before some time, and then it was canned for whatever reason. Now he thinks it's that segment. Either way, I'm happy to be playing my part. Let me just read a couple of messages for you, Ntabi Seng. Hi, Songezo. My brother chopped his finger with a machine at work, but the employer said he was not going to pay because he was reckless and didn't wear safety safeguards. I beg your pardon. Is that correct? That's the one question. Hi, team. Please pose this question to your guest. We often do deliveries to clients, so in case we find ourselves involved while on the way outside the agreed times, would this be considered out of line? Although we may be running late, this is a question from Asa. In other words, they are not during work hours, but this is certainly are fulfilling a work function. And for whatever reason, they are delayed or they are not on the designated route because there's an accident and the traffic officials are saying, go this way. In other words, where there's a strict mm. instruction, but circumstances do not quite allow you to follow that instruction. In other words, are you still protected or do you not create further liabilities as the case may be? Excellent question, Asa, by the way. Your response? Yeah. All right, let me see. There was a question earlier before these two um, were in. I think there was a mention of, of foreign employees that were getting injured whilst on duty. Here's the thing about employers that are hiring uh, people that are not legally documented to be in our country. The second that you get injured on duty, they have no obligation to protect you because already they are hiring you when you're not legally in the country. And two, they're even paying below the minimum wage because where are you going to go to go and complain? Because when they want, when you want to go complain, you need to submit your paperwork. And if your paperwork is not correct, then you, it's a whole world of trouble that you're looking at. That is the unfortunate part of the number of small businesses that hire people who are not legally documented in our country. So if people 
people are properly documented, they should be able to be registered and should be able to be assisted uh, in our system should they get injured at work. That's interesting. And then the, the previous yes. guest we were talking to um, said something which I understood to be different to what you were saying. He said, and I'm talking about now Stephen Sachs saying that, even though the person is not documented, it doesn't mean that that person doesn't enjoy the benefits and protections of the LRA and related instruments. And by that extension, it means that the employer similarly is not absolved of his or her fiduciaries in terms of the law. How do we settle that? Because this is the same show earlier today that is now suggesting two different responses to the same question. In other words, what is the law on somebody who is employed in South Africa is not is effectively an alien by law, is an alien, is not, mm. not not accounted for, but is at work and is getting the benefits of being an employee for he or she is rendering such services. The, the, the problem that comes with that is then when documentation, remember, let me explain, when you fit in that form, that WR511 form, you need to attach your certified identity document that shows who you are and whether you're legal in the country, right? Of course, you are responsible as the employer for the people that are rendering any services for you or who are your employees. But the problem would then be when the processes have to now be put into the system. Who are they putting in the system? Because the system now needs to recognize you by virtue of your identity that you have presented before the, before the commission. And then if your identity isn't correct, now they need to dig into the background. And now we're dealing with Section 49 of the Immigration Act, which then now triggers the issue of criminality over and above that because it means you're in the country illegally. So it doesn't absolve the employer from being responsible for your work, but that is used as a defense mechanism that you are not even here legally. And then how do we then process your paperwork in the system? This is the practicality of the work that needs to be done. I don't know if I'm making any yeah, sense. Yeah, certainly I'm making sense. And I suppose this is not supposed to answer every question to the T, but rather to allow yeah. the listeners to sort of be a little more aware of what perhaps tomorrow going to work. They'd be like, ah, our song is or through Ntabi Seng said A, B, and C. I'm now trying to well, engage well. a little bit more in terms of what my rights are. So I do appreciate that response. Do we have a call or do we have to take a break very quickly? Let's take a short break. And Tabi Sengi is going to return until 22 hours. Ladies and gentlemen, we're talking workplace injury. Are you or have you been injured at work? Are you waiting money from the compensation fund? How long have you been waiting for? And perhaps in Tabi Seng, something for you to think about. Injured on the road, where is my claim? Is it with COIDA? Let's say it is all in line with my work and my employment. Or is it with the road accident fund? Or better yet, can I score both from the Road Accident Fund as well as COIDA? Your answer, please, together with some of the questions and comments that may yet come from our listeners after the ad break. The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. Songhez on on SAFM. 21.52 on what remains of a public holiday. It's back to work for many of you tomorrow. And remember to be at work on time. It's the simplest thing to break as a rule and quite easily the easiest way to court disciplinary action. I know it's going to be tough waking up after essentially five days of no work because I can <laughs> guarantee you most of you took that Friday off, probably because your manager was also off. 
We've got less than seven minutes, so please do pose your questions. Drop your voice notes. We don't have too much time. This is the conversation on workplace injuries with our guest, Ntabiseng Dubazana, Director and Attorney at Dubazana Attorneys. Keep going strong there, Ntabiseng. We do need female attorneys becoming big players and taking on the sentence top five or six, as the case may be. Questions, voice notes? It's a high bar, I know, but you can do it. Hi, good evening to you, Sengezo. It's Kali. On your way to work and from work to home, in that period, are you insured while if any injuries? Thank you. Yeah, Tabi Singh? Oh, I thought you were going to play another one. I'm so sorry. No, no, I beg your pardon. I'm just playing them as they come along. I beg your pardon. Um, it's my fault. Oh, okay. All right. So, uh, Strictly speaking, no, you are not covered. Your working hours have not started. Um, and as a result, then you would then, uh, I think the question that you asked before we went to a break, you would then claim your any injuries that you suffer on the road from the RAF and, and all of those things. But other than that, there is no real com- cover for you as you are going to work. However, having said that, mm. it can be used in the sense that I would not be on the road. We call it the but the the but for test. So, uh, uh, or, or what is the the term that is that was used in? Um, uh, it's escaping me. It's late at night. But anyway, it is the but for test. But for me going to work, I would not have entered into this accident as a result. And then you can use that in a manner to make the employer liable for any accident that you would have come into contact with as a result, both going to work and coming from work. As to whether the commissioner will accept liability, because now the, the, everything else will rely on the commissioner accepting liability. Uh, for your injuries and if the commissioner rejects it then you have like i said earlier on 90 days to appeal that and then you can take it to the labor court etc etc and then if you're successful then there you go but if not it will be based on the fact that there's strictly speaking no real liability on the employer in that situation do you want to respond to the question that I posed earlier on? I mean, the institutions of Road Accident Fund and COIDA, me being in an accident on one of our roads, where does my protection lie? Or okay. can I double dip? So- you can actually, you can double dip. Um, so it depends on what kind of injuries you would have sustained. Say you were injured to an extent wherein you become medically boarded as a result, and therefore you will not be receiving a salary. You can then claim from the RAF for um, non. Uh, what is this? What is the term for 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 not receiving a salary as a result of being in this accident? Whereas in this side, Koida would have covered your medical expenses. But if there's an ongoing permanent injury situation. Remember, Koida cannot continue to con- to to pay for your medical uh, expenses as a result. That you can also claim from the RAF because it's a permanent situation that consistently has to be monitored for the rest of your life. So that can also be claimed from the RAF. And um, in the event that you happen to die at the, at the accident scene, 
COIDA is responsible, so is RAF. The question is then which one will absorb the other from, um, from you know, paying your, your, your family members anything that is due to you or that was due to you as a result. But I would take a wild guess because I actually don't have an answer to this question and I've been yeah, yeah. trying to get it. Yeah, but I would assume that for medical expenses that were involved during your time as you were um, executing your duties, that would be the responsibility of Quaida. And then it will therefore automatically then absolve the RAF from paying you for the same exact payout. Fantastic. Final question then. Evening. Son-in-law, injury on duty, went through all the procedures. Boss requested doctor to stop treatment. Even after operation, the forms filled in, still waiting on the payout from the Department of Labor. What's next to be done now, four years down the line? And for record purposes, the boss dismissed this young employee. Now, four years, I think I'm going to emphasize on the value of that four years being engaged yeah. because what does prescription or does prescription feature here at all? First of all, respond to the question and then engage the question of prescription, please. Final comment and question. Okay. Firstly, it makes zero sense why the employer is the one instructing the, the doctor to stop working. The doctor is the one who's supposed to have informed the employer what the progress is and what there is that needs to be done. The same report ought to have been sent to the to the commission so they know what is happening. It doesn't work that way. So that's already the first problem. Um, it shouldn't have happened that way. And unfortunately, you have 90 days to refer anything to the labor court um, excuse me, to the labor courts um, as a result of what has happened. And now we're talking about four years. So what one can do is that you can make an application for condemnation, which is basically asking the court, court's uh, forgiveness. Hey, what's that? I now? didn't know this. I didn't know. Oh, We've lost I don't you know if I'm still bit. there. Hello? Yeah, talking about asking the court's forgiveness. Do you want to carry on from there? Hello? And Tabi Singh, we can hear you. Don't say anything that you don't want uh, to... I mean, Tabi Singh, you are on radio. We can hear you. Okay, since we have lost, I beg your pardon for that, folks, but I think that's as much as we could have in any event fitted in in this very short 30 minutes of Labour Law. That was our guest, Ms. Ndabi Singh, Dubazana, Director and Attorney at Dubazana Attorneys. Here's a, an interesting comment from, in fact, the guest earlier on. So he had the first say and he shall have the final say. Good on you, Stephen. Stephen Sachs says, undocumented foreigners definitely get benefit from the LRA, which supersedes all other acts. Of course, and he makes the concession that illegal immigration is another matter totally. But for present purposes, looking at Labor Relations Act and its value in protecting the interests and the integrity of the workplace, as well as employers, employees, they certainly are covered and get to be protected and or benefit from the Labor Relations Act. Thank you so very much to all of you who